President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday lashed out at China's ban on imports of Taiwanese groupers and once again accused the communist power of ignoring international norms about free trade while on a visit to grouper farmers in Taiwan's south. Agriculture Minister Chen Ji-jong also released a report detailing inspections of Taiwanese groupers for export that detected none of the prohibited chemicals that China's claim have been found in the fish. President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday traveled south to Yung'an district, a coastal suburban area in Kaohsiung that is rich in grouper production, to hear the views of local fishers. She slammed China's ban on the fish. From bans on sugar apples and pineapples to the groupers that we see today, China cannot faithfully abide by international norms. This sudden and disproportionate trade ban deals a blow to our exporters and fishers. It also deals a kind of blow to free trade. The president stressed that aside from strengthening food processing capacity related to groupers and developing diversified products, the most important thing was to develop other export markets. In addition to expanding domestic demand, we must continue to target potential markets such as the U.S. market, the New Zealand market, Canada and the European Union. The chairman also said that our groupers all meet EU specifications. President Tsai guaranteed that Taiwan's groupers are safe and non-toxic. Agriculture Minister Chen Ji-jung also produced data that showed among the 11 farms that supplied China, no illegal drugs such as malachite green, crystal violet and oxytetracycline were found in the fish's bodies, subsoil or pond water. It amounted to a slap in the face for China and there were even demands from fish farmers for China to produce evidence. Drug use in China is even more serious. We conducted inspections in Taiwan, but we didn't detect it. This is a problem that lies with their government. They held our groupers for three weeks. During that period, they had to give them feed, they had to eat. Or perhaps there were toxins in their own ponds. This may be the reason. Fish farmers are analysing that if China really has detected illegal drugs in the live groupers, the problem may lie in the delivery process with China. KMT legislator Jiang Wan'an and Taipei Deputy Mayor Vivian Huang are running neck-to-neck -neck in the polls ahead of Taipei's mayoral election at the end of November. The DPP has yet to declare its candidate, but support ratings for all prospective DPP candidates in the survey were found to be flagging. Huang, if she declares her candidacy, will likely represent the TPP. One pollster said Jiang will lead by a large margin if the KMT calls for Huang's supporter to ditch her for Jiang, so as to prevent a DPP win on a split vote. However, Jiang is determined to win on his own merits with his vision for the city. <laughs> With the local elections just around the corner, KMT legislator Zhang Wanan has been out in the community, stumping for Taipei Mayor. Incumbent Taipei Deputy Mayor Vivian Huang is also vying for the city's top spot. Meanwhile, the pro-independence Pan Green Camp has been mostly mum on its candidates for the city. But former Transport Minister Lin Jia Lung, a DPP member, has expressed his interest.
The latest survey from the Taiwan Brain Trust shows that if the DPP nominates Lin, Lin would garner a support rating of 22%, Jiang would see a 29.5% rating and Huang a 29% rating. If the DPP nominates Chen, Chen would see a rating of 23.7%, Jiang 29% and Huang 28.5%. Lin Jialong's support rating is at 22% and Chen Shizhong's is 23%. Basically, it's quite close. The two have fallen to third place. Meanwhile, Vivian Huang's numbers have shown growth. Jiang Wan'an's clear dominance shown over the past year has now already ended. Regardless of who the DPP puts in the running, they will be facing a near tie in support ratings for Jiang and Huang. In the event that Huang's supporters rally behind Jiang to give the pro-China Pan Blue Camp a clear lead, Jiang's support rating may rise to around 37.6%, followed by Lin with 25.5% and Huang with 20.2%. If Lin is replaced with Chen, this may result in Jiang having a 37.7% support rating, followed by 27% for Chen and 21% for Huang. Huang is sitting on a foundation of 18 to 20 percent support from TPP voters. If the KMT calls for a rally behind Jiang, those TPP supporters will still stick with Huang. If there is such a call, roughly only about 25 percent of Huang's voters would switch and cast their ballots for Jiang. For me, what matters is to be fully prepared to continue with my communication with the public to understand their needs and to convey to Taipei's residents the vision I have for the city. That is what I'm truly concerned with. Jiang is confident that he can capture the hearts of voters without any special help or rallying cries from his party. Only time will tell whether his predictions come true. Taiwan on Friday reported 55,187 new domestic COVID cases in a drop from the day before. However, the number of COVID-related deaths remained high at 154 cases. According to government statistics, between January and June, the fatality rate from the disease reached 0.13%. And among patients aged 90 or older, the rate was much higher at 5.89%. Today, there was a decrease of 12.6% in the number of cases compared with yesterday. All six special municipalities saw case numbers drop by more than 10%. The downward trend is really apparent now. At this point, we are hoping that by sometime around Monday, we will see case numbers stabilize and that they can drop below the 50,000 mark. It has been said that the fatality rate is a lagging indicator for us. I think things will be clearer in a week or two, or maybe two or three weeks from now. Things should settle down by then and we can look at it more objectively and compare the situation with previous epidemics or epidemics in other countries. At the border, officials recorded 17 new cases of Omicron, one of which was the BA4 subvariant, while the rest were BA5. Among these cases was the first appearance of BA5 in a child under 10. So far, there have been 48 imported cases of the two subvariants. More and more top officials have been struck down by COVID. 
Agriculture Minister Chen Zizhong was forced to cancel a planned trip to Kaohsiung with President Tsai today after a rapid test that still came out positive this morning, showing that he was still not over the infection following his initial diagnosis last Thursday. Several CECC officials, including Health Minister Chen Shizhong, have also come down with the illness. In the latest, Shi Chongliang, the Deputy Minister of Health and Welfare, tested positive for the virus in a rapid test on Wednesday. Shi says his, his health is good and he will continue his epidemic prevention work remotely via video conferencing. President Tsai Ing-wen on Friday went to Taiwan's southern regions to inspect fish farms. Originally, it was planned for Agriculture Minister Chen Ji-jong to be at her side, but he was replaced with his deputy at the last minute. Chen was diagnosed with COVID last week and following seven days of rest at home was expected to be fully recovered Friday. However, he tested positive on a rapid test on Friday morning and decided to remain in isolation. In fact, according to central government regulations, people diagnosed with COVID are allowed to return to work after seven days of rest at home and do not need to take a rapid test. However, many companies require their employees to take a rapid test for reasons relating to insurance. Relatively important people such as our government officials should adopt high standards of conduct. I suggest that people that still have virus particles in their systems should continue with self-help management. It's not just the agriculture minister. Officials from the CECC have come down with COVID, one after another. Premier Su Jin Chang on Thursday night posted a photo on Facebook and wrote, Thank you, my colleagues in the Central Epidemic Command Center. Even though you've tested positive and are in isolation, you are still holding daily meetings via video conferencing. In the photo, Health Minister Chen Shizhong can be seen wearing a mask and giving the thumbs up. Next to him are CECC officials Victor Wang, Zhuang Renxiang, and Xue Reiyuan. And in the right-hand corner is Shi Zhongliang, the Deputy Minister of Health and Welfare. This post broke the news about Shi's diagnosis. It started with a little fever, and I had aches all over my body. Then on Thursday, I could feel I had more of a sore throat. Now I mostly just have a sore throat. Shi said he felt he was still quite well and could carry on with his epidemic prevention work via video conferencing. He also revealed Health Minister Chen Shizhong's condition. It looks like our minister is doing quite well. In our video conferencing, he seems like he's in good spirits. His voice is the same as it's always been. Health Minister Chen does not seem to have serious health problems and his voice is not particularly hoarse. It's hoped that these CECC officials can recover quickly. The Taichung police team has released a new promo video full of breaking dance moves. The officers of Dachen police station produced the video to give locals a glimpse into their daily life and work. It stars an officer with astonishing dance skills busting a move all over his district. The video puts Taiwan police in a whole new light. A break dancer in police uniform shows off his moves. Whether holding himself up on one arm or spinning on the spot, he makes it all look so easy. He dances in temple squares, on pedestrian bridges, and even in the grounds of his police station. This video from Dachin Police Station shows off the daily life of local officers, and to liven it all up, there's plenty of breaking cut into the work scenes. In just a few days, the video attracted an avalanche of likes and new subscribers. The star is this local officer, Gao Mingshen. 
I studied breaking first. I've been dancing ever since junior high, so I used this opportunity to make a breakthrough video. The dance is interspersed with police rounds and daily duties as well as street inspections. Local sites and restaurants are introduced in the video too, as well as Taichung's famous Zhonghua Street Night Market, showing how closely related the police are with normal local life. The shifts of the camera give the viewers a glimpse into our daily work as police. It also shows off famous landmarks in our jurisdiction and the creativity of our officers. The entire video was shot on a smartphone. Directed, performed and edited by police, the project was wrapped up in just one month. We directed it ourselves. We wrote the script ourselves. We produced it ourselves. It took ages. We had to ask lots of our colleagues and friends for help and find lots of resources online to be able to produce this video. Adding breakdancing to a police promotion video could be a first for Taiwan. Officers hope it will reveal the human side of the force and help forge ties with local communities. President Tsai on Friday attended a memorial service for 2nd Lieutenant Xu Dajun, who recently crashed an 83-jet trainer in Kaohsiung's Guanshan district in a fatal accident. At the ceremony hosted by the Air Force Academy, President Tsai bestowed a formal accommodation on the fallen pilot. At the end of the ceremony, the Academy's teachers and students flew 83 jet trainers in a formation symbolizing mourning to send him off. 83 jet trainers fly in a formation symbolizing mourning in a tribute to fallen 2nd Lieutenant Xu Dajun passing over his memorial service. On May 31st, Xu was flying his jet in a training exercise when it became involved in a fatal crash. A public memorial service was held on Friday morning where Xu's younger sister spoke on behalf of their father. The past few days have been the most painful days of my life. My father felt so fortunate that both his own father and son were pilots. Xu's father was wearing a sports jacket. It was a birthday present that his son had bought for him and stored in a cupboard at the academy, which he planned to give to him before his life was cut short. You were so brave. Even at the last moment, you did not give up and you did your best to control the plane so that you didn't cause even more damage. This part was hardest for Dad. The Air Force gave Xu a posthumous promotion to the rank of captain and covered the coffin with the nation's flag. President Tsai Ing-wen also came to the service and bestowed on him a formal commendation for his service to the nation. Da Jun had been determined to become a fighter pilot since he was a child so that he could defend our airspace and protect our country. He studied hard at school and was able to deal with any harsh and strict training. He worked hard to overcome difficulties and he is a role model for other students. Photos of Xu in various stages of his life were displayed at the service. Hundreds of military officers and soldiers, along with relatives and friends, came together to remember Xu. Xu's father and mother bowed to the guests in a solemn atmosphere. On Thursday, the central bank announced it will raise the benchmark interest rate to 1.5%. The economics, labor and education ministries have said the government will absorb the rate hike for youth entrepreneurship and startup funds, labor bailout loans, student loans and other related lending. Let's hear from a labor official. 
We have approved 1.59 million relief fund applications received in 2020 and 2021 in response to the central bank's announcement on June 16 that it's raising the interest rate to 1.5%. We are subsidizing the rate increase in order to reduce the burden on disadvantaged laborers. The total to be borne by the government from the interest subsidy will be around 125 million NT. Aside from the 125 million NT interest subsidy to be absorbed for relief funds, the economics and education ministries have also said they would be absorbing the interest hike for student and youth loans. The government hopes to avoid impact on those least able to afford an interest in their loans. Husan Reservoir in Ringling is overflowing after strong plum rains in recent weeks filled it over capacity. The site of the reservoir weir covered by a temporary waterfall has delighted officials and visitors. But the scene will last only as long as the reservoir is full. Officials hope it bodes well for Taiwan's water supply this year. The water is overflowing here at Husan Reservoir in Yunling. As it courses over the edge of this weir, an arc-shaped waterfall is created. It began in late May, so it's been more than two weeks that these aquamarine waters have made a dreamy scene against their mountainous backdrop. The plum rains were heavy this year, and Hushan has already passed its maximum water level of 211.5 meters. With more than 5,000 tons of water in its bowl, it just can't take more. The rains were quite good this year. It started raining in April-May, so the reservoir was full by May 31st. So the water situation is very different this year to last year. Hushan Reservoir primarily serves people in Yunlin, South Zhonghua and northern Jiayi. There was almost no rain from December last year to May this year, and the water level fell to just 29 percent. But with the roar of many plum rains, now the reservoir has defied all expectations. Officials hope these blessings can be saved up for a less rainy day in the future. Come and see two elementary school students who have been ranked number one globally in a one-of-a-kind sport at a very young age. Zhou Yujing and Sama Basal from Taoyuan in March took part in a national sports stacking championship and set a new world record in the doubles event for all age groups. Their times and a video of their performance at the Taiwanese national championships were recently reviewed by the World Sports Stacking Association, which is headquartered in the U.S., and they were officially confirmed to be the world's top players. Sama Basal, an indigenous girl from the Cedic tribe, has already set three world records in the individual event for girls aged 11 to 12. And her partner Zhou Yujing has also set one in the individual event for girls aged 9 to 10. The pair achieved the fastest hand speed through cooperation, exhibiting strong non-verbal communication with each other. Taste of Europe is a video series in which diplomats stationed in Taiwan cook dishes from their home countries. In a recent episode, representatives from the Swedish Trade and Invest Council teach how to make Swedish meatballs. Beef, beef grinded meat. So it can be a mixture of it. Yeah, 50-50 is perfect. 
Peterson and Matthias Deck from the Swedish Trade and Invest Council introduced the ingredients needed to make Swedish meatballs. The ingredients include breadcrumbs, milk, cream, white onion, egg, ground beef, ground pork, ground white pepper, allspice, cloves, nutmeg, salt, butter, and cooking oil. Behind it is that when the Swedish king, Charles XII, mm -hmm. uh, went for the conquest of Russia and failed, uh, he was uh, held in captivity in Turkey. Mm -hmm. So, and he ate a lot of Turkish foods. Yes. And when he actually managed to go back to, to Sweden, he said that he had all these amazing cooks in Turkey mm -hmm. and that he would like to introduce that in Sweden. We split in half? Yeah, very simple. Uh, you start with, with the cold water. The first step is to chop and boil the potatoes in cold water. Then add a bit of salt. After that, add milk onto the breadcrumbs. And you need to let it soak. Make it wet, let it soak. Exactly. And this takes approximately maybe five minutes. Yes. So that it's really, really soaked all through. Because we need a consistent mash to add to the grounded, grounded meat. I see. As a glue. Exactly. To pull it all together. And this is also why we are adding one of the eggs as the glue. Yes. As well. To keep the meatballs together because you would like them round and not flat. See. Well, you know, you can never have enough of butter, really. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's one fourth. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Then the add butter, yes. onions, so and pepper into the frying pan. Uh, then put the meat in a bowl and mix so it with the eggs and breadcrumbs. So the next step is to take one egg. So usually one egg per 400 grams. Yes. It's enough. So if you're doing a bigger portion, just you know keep in mind one egg per 400 grams. Okay, so black pepper. I, I'm a big fan of black pepper. Okay. Then add a bit of black pepper, white pepper, salt and onion. Mix it together with the meat. Eyeball it basically. Take a, uh, something maybe like, uh, you know, maybe something like this. Some uh, cream and some uh, milk. To make the mashed potatoes, heat up about 200 millimeters of milk and 100 millimeters of cream, but add a bit of nutmeg. Then fry the meatball. You want a bit of a browning, you know, that's yes. for the the flavor is going to be so yes. um, you know maybe we don't crowd the pan more than this because we want to give some space to mm -hmm. individual meatball here they can just nudge them a little bit to make sure that they're not stuck lastly add the sauce on the meatballs and the dish is ready to be served a new episode of taste of europe is released every friday in the episodes representatives from 15 eu member states teach viewers how to make authentic european dishes from their home countries ftv news stephanie yang and lee han in taipei